you need to get the lease in place. You, right. you have to. It's 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 a critical component. Um, again, it, it really adds to the valuation of the building as well. Um, you know, it, it's it, the the net operating income is what dictates the you know the fair market value. Oftentimes, I mean, there's there's multiple ways to appraise building, but when you, a building a piece of real estate, but when you have a cash flowing asset, um, it, in this case, in a strong uh, credit tenant with you know a 15 year lease. Um, that valuation is, you know, typically dictated on that per, uh, on the on the net operating income coming in. So you're really just you're you know you're doing yourself a disservice by not having it there. This is the Providers Properties and Performance Podcast, the podcast that brings together leaders in healthcare and investment real estate to consider the possibilities in future at the intersection of practicing medicine and healthcare real estate investment returns. Welcome to the Providers Properties and Performance Podcast. I am your host, Trisha Talbot. As a healthcare real estate advisor to providers and investors, the best solutions occur when the two collaborate together as partners in delivering better patient care. Providers can deliver care to their patients when and where they need it, and investors realize the returns to build and manage facilities. We explore changes in medicine and wellness, the future of healthcare, and using real estate as a strategic and financial tool. In today's podcast interview, I discuss packaging a practice and property together for sale or purchase with Liam Craw, an attorney at Cohen Law Firm. Cohen Law Firm specializes in representing dentists and dental specialties to either purchase or sell practices in the associated real estate. We discuss how these are valued, structured, and some best practices. Thank you as always for listening, and I hope you enjoy the interview. So Liam, welcome to the Providers, Properties, and Performance Podcast. Thank you for having me. Look forward to it. So Cohen Law, you specialize in working with dentists and dental specialties. Is that correct? That is, yes. So how did you guys start to focus just on that niche? Well, it was uh, it was really David Cohen, um, the founder of our firm, who started it. Uh, I came along afterwards, um, you know, to add a, a real estate component to our firm. Um, but David specializes in the the M&A side and, and the, you know, representing the dental, uh, primarily dental, dental clients, um, but knowing and, and, and seeing the, the need for real estate and, uh, you know, real estate specialist uh, in this field, um, you know, he, he, he reached out and, and that's how we were connected. Well, tell me a little bit about your background as a real estate attorney so my, and getting into this. Yeah, sure. So uh, my background is primarily in real estate. Um, you know, it was a, it was a bit of a transition from from the dental in, into the dental space, but um, you know I, I think the principles and concepts all all carry forward no matter uh, uh, the you know the 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 type of uh, the type of client you know in the real estate industry it's pretty standardized um, although there are some unique aspects of dental transaction work certainly uh, but my background is is primarily in real estate and and I started uh, with a firm a large firm in, in Miami. Uh, right out of law school there where, um, I, you know, I, I attended the University of Miami uh, for my LLM and then started with a firm there practicing primarily in real estate, doing leasing, uh, representing uh, national and international clients, uh, and also in the uh, acquisition and disposition of property. So all commercial, commercial based. And eventually, as I grew in my practice there, it kind of led into a uh, a more uh, a focus on office leasing, um, so it it kind of evolved, you know, in a lot of ways around that. Um, 
which then eventually led into doing you know several m a deals with our firm uh, on the other side of that uh with dental and medical um clients which then led into the you know the transition from our firm or that that existing firm uh to david's firm uh where i'm now so so what was yeah. david seeing in these transactions with regard to the real estate that made you want made him want to bring you in it was really the the environment of our firm it's a, it's an entrepreneurial environment um and i you know D david's a dynamic guy and and he you know has a ha has developed a, you know a fantastic relationship with his clients and and it, you know for for me you know growing in my legal in the legal field I, I just felt like it was a fantastic opportunity um to try to you know kind of focus in on on certain areas of of real estate and and you know really master those and yet have a you know a great supporting cast david you know david is a fantastic lawyer we have also you know several other lawyers that are in our firm but that are that are fantastic lawyers and do a great job and so i think it was a just a great opportunity and a good time in my life to kind of make a transition and you know i uh, i couldn't be happier so it, things have been very very good over the past couple of years so yeah <laughs> Well, dentists especially, and dental specialists as well, but um, you know they tend to be incredibly entrepreneurial. They, most of the time they own their own properties and they can be a combination of standalone or not. And then they're always tend to be buying and selling practices a lot as well. So how do you help them put all of this together? Do you separate the real estate out or do you value the real estate? At market rates, like how do you put all of these pieces together? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question, um, and it depends. It's really deal specific, um, but you know, I think there is a practice component there, and, and obviously, we you know, David handles that aspect of it, and you know, it, then there, then there's the real estate, whether it's a lease or the acquisition or disposition of the real estate, and even then, there oftentimes is a lease, you know, uh, whether it be from practice entity to the you know acquiring real estate real estate entity, it could be, you know, between you know, single member, you know, LLCs or PLLCs. And, and so there are a lot of dynamics there and a lot of moving parts. And it's, it's important, I think, to, to understand the deal and, and, and especially the broker that put it together. Um, you know, we, we take a position where, you know, we have a tremendous amount of respect for, for the brokers that we work with. And it's really kind of putting their, their deal, uh, you know, kind of trying to finalize that deal for them. They put it together. They've done the legwork there, and it's it's really getting that to closing and bringing it to fruition. Um, so, you know, to that point, I think, you know, when we get an LOI or a term sheet and and we look at it, and there's you know a variety of things, and there's this little paragraph on, on real estate. You know, it's it's oftentimes the primary focus is on 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 the practice, so right. it's 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 trying to educate the client on the uh, you know on on all the 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 aspects of the real estate and and also the positives and 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 you know there's a lot of incentives to to either owning it or selling it or leasing it. So just going through all those steps, I think, is the is is the is is really what it takes to to get them up to speed and feel comfortable because it to your point. It is very entrepreneurial. There are a lot of opportunities, different areas um, outside of just the dental space. But it, you know, it's it, they might not be doing it on a daily basis. You know, initially. Right. So, do you do you represent on both both dentists that are buying practices with real estate and then dentists that are selling their practice, and then they they also occupy their space or own own their building? Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. We do. We 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 represent both sides. Correct. And so, if you're um. Do the dentists that are selling their practice in real estate, do they talk to you 
before they talk to a broker or do, do you usually get involved after the broker's involved? Uh, because on the deals that I've seen where on the people, on dentists that are buying the practice and the real estate together, the real estate is really undervalued. It, it is, it is. And it's oftentimes, um, you know, an afterthought, um, you know, it's just something thrown in and they don't understand or they, you know, having not done this on a daily basis, they're just not familiar with the valuation of the real estate and how it's, how, how, how that number is set. Um, and you know, how, how, where, where that piece of property sits in comparison to the others in that, in that market. And yeah, to, well, I guess to your first question about how that deal is handled for art from us, we do have clients that will come to us initially um, and, and they'll ask us questions on how the deal is structured, valuation of the property, different deal terms, more material business terms. And we'll walk them through that and certainly help them. Um, and, and we'll advise them. Obviously, those are, you know, those are business points that are negotiated between the parties. And we would obviously, you know, assist on the legal side as well. But there is a, there is a, we, we certainly do have clients that take that path. And there's also, you know, from, you know, it's put together from, from a broker as well. So, um, and then at that point, those, those business points are typically already pre-negotiated. Um, they can be obviously modified or changed, but it's usually the legwork there has already been done um, or, or, you know, at, at least to some extent. So, yeah, I, I think that that's the way, um, you know, it typically, it typically works. It's for us at least. Well, if they do end up coming to you first and then, you know, you're able to educate them on the value of their real estate, are they typically surprised that, you know, they could make more money doing this a little bit different way? Yeah, they certainly are. And, you know, it, it's, um, I, I think oftentimes it's a shock to, to, to many of them to realize, you know, the, the, you know, the untapped value that they have in some of these assets, real estate assets, the real property, um, and, and how it's, how it's priced, you know, it's correlation to the rent that they're paying, um, or, you know, that they're receiving, um, the net operating income really drives that cap rate, um, and that cap rate analysis when you're, trying to create a fair market value. Um, so, you know, that going through that exercise of explaining that and, and getting them educated. Yes. I, I certainly think once they, once they learn it and understand it and feel comfortable with it, um, you know, they definitely see the opportunity there and, and there, and there certainly is. Have you ever seen anybody um, like literally separate the two where they have somebody buy the practice and not the real estate, and then they sell the real estate separately? We have, we have certainly. And, you know, there, there's oftentimes deals where the practice needed to close, or we have a real estate component that needs to close before um, we're dealing with that right now. Interest rates are a little crazy right now. So you have a lot of deals going in different directions and term sheets are expiring and, you know, things are, things are coming, coming to a head here in the next couple of weeks and, and people are racing, especially this week. Um, I know they were going to announce, uh, potentially a rate increase again. So uh, like, yeah. it's pretty certain it's going, it's coming. So um, everybody has been trying to navigate that water. It's a little different uh, situation now than it was six months ago, certainly. And so it's, it's, it's again, it's yes, we, we, we do split them up. We have, uh, you know, closed them separately. It's under, you know, and that, that presents several legal issues and, and com additional complexities um, you know, interim leases and so on and so forth that may need to be put in place to to accomplish that. But we we you know our goal as a firm is to be as efficient 
uh, as we can. And, you know, we, we pride ourselves on being fast. Uh, you know, we, we like to do things and, and get documents turned around as quickly as we can, obviously, you know, um, with, with some limitations, you know, they, they need to be done correctly. And, but, but really we, we, we pride ourselves on getting documents out very, you know, quickly and, and, and trying to solve those complex issues in advance, like anticipating, you know, those issues that may come up. So, um, yeah, it, it, it certainly can be, can be done and it often is right now. Yeah. That's crazy. So what are the typical deal sizes for, for the real estate side for a dentist? Are they, you know, around, do you see many that are above 10,000 square feet or are they kind of 10,000 square feet and below? It depends. It really depends on the, on the client we have. I mean, yeah, for single, you know, single tenant buildings, um, you know, where, where it will be self-occupied or you'll have a sale lease back, so to speak, you know, it, it, that those range between 5,000, you know, 2,500 to about 7,500 square feet we're seeing really. Um, We've we've represented several clients though, where they're buying a building that might have 10 tenants in it um, or, you know, five tenants and they just see the value there um, and owning that and and collecting the rent, receiving that additional net operating income, creating that business, um, that additional business and and really capturing that value that you have. you know, in, in owning real estate and, and receiving, you know, the depreciation um, and, and, and other, other benefits, tax benefits of doing that um, while operating a practice in the building um, and, and operating out of there. So it, in, in those deals, obviously the sizes of those buildings are much larger um, and that process is a little bit longer. The due diligence takes a little bit, you know, there's, there's a, a slightly longer due diligence period, you know, reviewing the leases and, and inspecting the property and your lender, you know, the lender is a big component of that as well. Um, you know, they often drive these deals. And so getting the correct financing and the correct rates, you know, we mentioned that before, it's important. And so, uh, you know, getting, getting all those players um, in line and, and trying to organize that is often a challenge, but it, it certainly can be done. And we, you know, we try to, we try to do it as efficiently as possible. So let me ask you this. I probably know that when they come to you and they're like, I'm trying to sell this building and you, and you look at the rent roll, whether it's multi or single tenant, and they say, I don't have a, I don't have a lease for myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so how do you, how do you get to, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. How do you get them to understand and account for the lease expense in in their lease you know when they've had none or at least expense in their in their financials when they've had no lease expense yeah yeah i mean they it, it's a difficult situation and and david you know is a master on the practice side and and works with them and understanding you know the 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 effect of not having that in the business from from a business perspective from you know from these PLC, it's usually a PLC. I just am using that as the example. Yeah. But I, when I say PLC, I mean the practice entity right. that's operating this space that right. would be serving as the tenant. Um, yeah, it, it, I can't. I can't really uh, say this enough. But you need you need to get the lease in place. You, right. you have to. It's 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 a critical component. Um, again, it, it really adds to the valuation of the building as well. Um, you know, it, it's. The, the net operating income is what dictates the, you know, the fair market value oftentimes. I mean, there's, there's multiple ways to appraise building, but when you, a building piece of real estate, but when you have a cash flowing asset um, in, in this case, in a strong uh, credit tenant with, 
you know, a 15 year lease, um, that valuation is, you know, typically dictated on that per, uh, on the on the net operating income coming in. So you're really just you're you know you're doing yourself a disservice by not having it there. Assuming that you own the building or you know that you're, you're yeah. looking to purchase the building, um, you know it's 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 critical that you you know you evaluate the leases, you understand, um, you know, the strength of that of those tenants, um, and you know it, it's 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 all part of the due diligence process. But yeah, it, it, it having that lease in place is a critical critical component of, of well, purchasing. And, you know, yeah. And it's not just yeah. dentists. It's all physician owned real estate, you know, um, yeah. you know, some do exactly. and some don't. And, but if you, if you are, if you're a tenant in your own building, you should have a lease in place. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're losing, there's, there's tax benefits too. I mean, right. you know, you, you're losing the, you, you get a, obviously the, the the payment of rent is a business expense and then you know you're you, so so you're losing that opportunity to to you know to have that as an expense paying that and showing that reflecting that um and and really it's i think it only it would only hurt you to not have it because i mean you're occupying the space so there has to be some accounting for for that and how you know how how are you going to reconcile that later it's you know it's it's often a challenge but we it's not you know not uncommon <laughs> Well, and I'll do one more and then we'll get into the Q&A to get to know you and get off this hard sure. stuff. But uh, so operating expenses. So I love this when they're like, well, the tenant pays all the operating expenses. But then you're like, yeah, but there's property taxes and building insurance. Like, and it's I don't see it on your p and So, so yeah. who's paying it? And they, they literally don't know when you act like, well, they think it's one way. But then when you look at their financials and you're like, no, like this, this is, this is, this is actually how this is happening, but it doesn't matter because typically, you know, it ends up being a triple net lease when they sign it, do a new lease. Like you right. as the tenant are going to want to know what it costs to operate the building. Cause you're going to have exactly. to pay all of it. <laughs> so right. Exactly. It factors into your lease expense and it comes off of your NOI for your practice. So exactly, exactly. Yeah. It, it, it's super, I mean, it's, it's critical. And again, we're just kind of referring to a, a triple net. And, right. and in that case, yeah. I mean, one of the first questions I typically ask when representing a tenant is, you know, I'm, I'm saying to the, to the landlord's counsel would be, right. you know, what are the current operating expenses? What are the, you know, do you have a copy of the taxes? Do you have a copy of the operating expenses? You know, what are these numbers? So we can, we can have an idea of what we're getting into, you know, when, when you're, when you're entering into a 15 year relationship with, you know, right. somebody um, and, and trying to understand, you know, what are my costs? What are these costs going to be? And right. it, you know, you, you need to know those and it's, it's tough to, you know, oftentimes we'll deal with, with, with clients that, you know, may not have had a lease in place. You're working with them to understand it. And you're trying to explain all the components of that. And there are, you, you have your base rent, you have to establish that base rent and it has to be true rent. It can't be, you know, this arbitrary number set. So, trying to look at market rent, trying to find, you know, what, what, what is, what is market for that area? And then, you know, and then factoring in the type of tenant, you know, it's, it's, it's a little different with, with dental and I'm sure with medical, they're high net worth credit tenants, they're long-term leases, they're just priced a little bit differently than retail or other type right. of, um, you know, other type of leasing. So working through that aspect of it. And then, Adding in the next layer of operating expenses, explaining what those are, explaining how they're passed through, and 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 you know the the calculation of those, and what a tenant typically pays or what they shouldn't be paying, and 
um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it is certainly a challenge, but it's, you know, I, I enjoy doing that. And I think it's, you know, it's, it, it's once, once they, you know, once our clients have understood it and once we've broken it down for them, I think, you know, it, it, it kind of flows and things, oh, things yeah. start working. Yeah. And it just, you know, makes sense uh, at yeah. the end of the day. I think well, the hardest thing to organize thing, though, it for them, you know, once you organize exactly, it for them, right. they're, but, but when they're like, well, it, it doesn't like when you're talking about, when you ask them about their operating expenses and their response is, well, it doesn't matter. I pay my bills. And you're like, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. If it, you know, I, and that's what we do. We typically have to say, you know, look at this from like, if you're releasing a space in an office building or, you know, in a, in a retail shopping center, pretend you don't own the building or pretend you don't have an interest in owning it. Um, and, and, you know, you're, here's what you would be receiving. This is what you would be receiving every month. You're receiving an amount for base rent or you would be paying an amount for base rent. And then you would have received, uh, you know, typically it's done annually. You'll receive a, you know, a statement saying this is what you're going to owe. And then it's, mm-hmm. you know, paid monthly um, for operating expenses and taxes. And it's based on their, you know, per rent a share. If it's a single building, it would be hundred um, percent. But it's, I, I think the hardest thing too is is setting their expectations because that's probably the most heavily negotiated area of, of a lease, carving out certain operating expenses, working to try to fix those costs for the tenant. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a oftentimes difficult task because landlords, you know, are set on their ways and they, they, you know, they've understood what those costs are for them and they don't typically like to, you know, change those. So yeah, if, when it's when it's a single building owned, you know, and and it's basically sale lease back to themselves, it's not so much of an issue, but it's it's it gets a little bit more complicated when you're when you're you know leasing space in a commercial shopping center or a, an office building. But yeah, right, right, and sometimes they get surprised, like because then when you're talking about putting the lease rate and the le- and the operating expenses together. <laughs> then you're then you're like no yeah. both of these come off of the NOI you know these are yeah exactly you know then they start right. getting kind of yeah it, it's a it's a learning experience for everybody it is it <laughs> is yeah it is certainly well thanks do, do you think we missed anything that you want to add before we get to the Q&A no I think we covered it um you know I I'd love to get into the details more with this stuff uh you know but, but yeah so I think we're, it's a high level <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a high level and, and really it's so okay. Exactly. It's so case by case, so specific, so deal specific. So yeah, it's, 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 it's tough, uh, you know, to try to cover everything, but yeah, yeah. no, we gave, I think we gave a good 50,000 square foot level. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So time to get to know you a little bit. What was your first job? First job ever or first job in the legal space, whatever, whatever you feel like sharing. So first job ever, I was a caddy um, for a local golf course. Yeah. Uh, and I was in high school and I did that in the summer um, and it was great. It, it, it introduced me to, to a lot of really interesting people. You learned how to interact with people. Um, you learn how to control, you know, you see different types of emotions, control your emotions. And, um, you know, it was a, it, it, there was an element of discipline there and it was it was it was a great job. Um, but yeah, that, that would be my first first true job. Do you play golf? Obviously. I do. Yeah. I do. Yes. Yeah. So you yeah. probably got a lot of what not to do while you're playing golf too. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was an education of its own and its own self. It was great. Um, you know, it, 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 it was, it, it, it certainly gave you like that perspective, but you also got to see, you know, I, I think other people reacting to certain things and, you know, it, it was a good, it was a good learning experience. Certainly. Well, I think probably what's also interesting is that people that are, 
awesome golfers, you know, sometimes don't hit the very best shots. And then, you know, they right. have to problem solve out of that bad shot. Yes. And so, and even the best players. <laughs> Golf is a very humbling game. It's, 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 it's a, it's a very, I don't know. I, I, I played football, you know, my, in, in high school and in college, I you know played basketball and um, baseball in high school. And so I love, yeah, I love sports, but golf is it's its own its own animal, and uh, you know you could be the most athletic person in the world, um, and you know you could play terribly one day, and you know you got to come out and and forget about it, and you know, on to the next day, and keep keep going. Uh, it's a great game. It's a great game. Yeah, love. I have a love and hate. I have a love hate relationship with it, as I, I assume most people do. <laughs> <laughs> what else would you be doing for a living if you weren't an attorney? I would honestly, I'd probably be developing real estate. So um, I, I would, it just, it's, it's such a cool industry. There's so many opportunities, um, so many different angles, so many different things you can do uh, with it. And so I, you know, I just see a tremendous, um, yeah, I, I just see a, a whole separate side of it from a developer side. And I, I, I think it would be a cool, cool, uh, you know, cool thing to pursue in oh. another life. I don't know. You think you still have some time in this life. Maybe we'll see. <laughs> I'm all in right now with the legal side, but we'll, we'll see. Maybe. Yeah. Well, developments yeah. need legal, legal help as well. So certainly. Yeah. Uh, what are, who are you reading or listening to right now for news information or inspiration? So right now I'm reading, um, it, well, there's two. So the the first one is Peter Lineman. It's a it's a quarter. It's his quarterly um, market analysis. Um, it's called the Lineman Letter. It's a great real estate oh, tool resource. Yeah, and he he's a um, he started the the Wharton uh, he started the Wharton School there at Wharton the real estate program there um, as, at Wharton. And he, you know, he, he's an economist who provides market analysis and research. And it's a fantastic, um, fantastic tool for a lot of real estate professionals. They, you know, it's, it's not just um, real estate and economics. There's some geopolitical elements to it as well. Um, but, it, you know, it's a fairly, fairly long publication. But it's, like I said, it's quarterly. And, you know, it's, it's, been, a, it's been a great resource and tool for me um, over the past couple of years. So, read that regularly. It just came, the summer edition just came out um, this week. So that's why I, I'm referring <laughs> to that one. Uh, the other one is, it's a blog. Uh, it's it's JP Conklin and it's, it, he, he also has a, a podcast called The Rate Guys and they talk about interest rates, derivatives, swaps, um, and and hedging. Uh, it's, it's really a financial rate, interest rate podcast, interest rate blog. Uh, discussing the current state of affairs. And it's, it's a great resource as well. That's great. What is one thing you do every day for healthy self-care? I work out and I, I try to work out every day um, in one way, or other, whether it be lifting or you know, cardio, some element there. It's a good separation of my day. But to start my day, I, it's, it's usually meditation and prayer. Very nice. And do you think leaders are born or trained? It's yeah. I, it's a great question. I I know this is uh you know this has been studied uh, time over time. I, I know there's been so many things. I, I don't. In my opinion, I I certainly think people are born with leadership qualities. Um and and have a, uh, you know, an interest to drive. You know, and, and to push push forward and and then to to manage other people. I certainly think that there that you know 
there are people that just have that in them. They're born with that. But I do think that it is also learned. But I think there's an element of, of the learning in that you have to have that want to learn it. You have to have that drive to want to be there. And I, I just, that that's something that's, you know, that's just in, I, I don't necessarily know if it's in everyone, but I, you know, so, some people, you know, maybe more motivated than others. So yeah, it, 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 I certainly think it's a little combination of both, but yeah. Yeah, no, I like that. Well, thank you, Liam. This has been a great interview and I really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. I'm grateful for you tuning in to the Providers, Properties, and Performance podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the podcast with others. As a disclaimer, this podcast is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only and not intended for specific real estate investment advice.